Hey, this is Luke Humphrey. I'm the owner of HansonsCoachingServices.com. We've been uh, helping runners since 2006, the author of Hansons Marathon Method and Hansons Half Marathon Method. Uh, on top of that, uh, I'm a professional distance runner for the Hansons Brooks Distance Project. Uh, I've qualified for three Olympic trials in the marathon and finished in the top 15 in the New York City Marathon, Chicago Marathon, and Boston Marathon. So, and to further it, I guess I, I have a master's degree in uh, exercise physiology from Oakland University right here in uh, Rochester, Michigan. So, what I want to talk about today is fueling and GI distress, very common in runners. And what we want to do is kind of go through how to get around certain things with fueling to prevent GI distress to actually improve our performance as uh, a lot of times how fast we run is dictated by how well our nutrition is, is uh, executed in a, in, in a race, especially for the people I work with, half marathons and marathons. So uh, we will jump right into that and talk about fueling and GI distress. Okay, so GI, GI distress and running statistics. What we have here, and I honestly was surprised to see how bad it was, but I, I've been coaching since 2006, and honestly, this is probably one of the biggest uh, problems I see with with uh, runners, uh, just having that GI distress, not being able to fuel properly, and really having their, their races go poorly because of nutrition, um, especially since they've worked so hard to get to the starting line healthy and in, in really good shape. So, you know, honestly, 30 to 50% of runners will complain about GI discomfort and depending on the study, just depending on the methodology and what they asked, but 30 to 90% of runners experienced at least one symptom of GI discomfort. And that can be anything from nausea to uh, diarrhea to uh, heartburn, um, bloated feeling, full feeling. Those, those are all uh, symptoms of GI discomfort. And for some people, it's so bad, 7% of runners had to actually abandon a race because of GI symptoms, and that's no good. That's that's a really poor poor way to end a, a race is to have it come down to having to be in a portage on and not uh, because you weren't fit or ready to run, and that's, that's unfortunate. So the problem is that carbohydrate is something that we really, really need, right? So we only have a very limited amount of storage of carbohydrate in our, in our body. Uh, for instance, a, a 60 kilogram female, which would be roughly, I think, 132 pounds, you can have about 70 grams of uh, glycogen stored in the liver and then 300 grams stored in the, uh, in the muscles and things like that. And the problem with that is that with hard exercise, we can, we can burn three to four grams per minute. Um, and so you can see that you can do the math there that... Uh, we would run out of fuel at a pretty quick rate there. So uh, we absolutely need carbohydrate for long duration exercise. Uh, and the flip side of that is what we just talked about. A lot of times those go hand in hand and taking carbohydrate. They feel the GI discomfort. They stop taking the carbohydrate and then they get into all kinds of problems. So how can we do that? How can we take in the carbohydrate without causing the GI distress? And that's what we want to really talk about today. We're going to talk about things specific to fueling during an event, but there's also some, some contributing factors that will also cause GI distress. Things like high fiber, high fat, high protein, you can probably guess 
why those would cause discomfort. You know, they're just going to sit in the stomach a lot longer. It's going to take a lot longer for them to be digested. Um, if you're in the stomach, then you have that mechanical issue coming in with the jostling of, of the fuel. It just feeling like sloshing around, slosh gut, we usually call it, and then also just feeling bloated, things like that. So uh, those things are pretty self-explanatory. The high fructose, some people don't necessarily understand why because they look at their sports drink and their sports drink is mostly fructose and it's a six to eight percent solution. Um, but the problem with high fructose is that it, it increased once that's in the stomach and it's and it's a, it's a high amount of sugar or carbohydrate in the stomach, then it only goes through one transporter, right? And so if the if it's only in that one transporter, that that mechanism to get it from the stomach to the intestine to the bloodstream is slowed slowed down because there's too much fructose and it can't process it as quickly, then we're going to run into problems, right? That just means it's going to sit in the stomach longer. The other part is it increases the osmolality of, of the solution too. And so ultimately what you have to wait for to happen is that osmolality to decrease enough to where it's pretty level with the bloodstream. And then via osmosis, it can go through as well. So it's kind of a two-pronged two uh, fork there. But uh, most people don't see because we need we, we want to take some fructose in right we, it's a it's a good source of sugar for for competing in endurance events but too much and everything kind of gets backed up a little bit so we want to avoid having too much fructose and unfortunately most sports drinks are in that six to eight percent range where it can be a little too much for some people. Another source of, of problems might come from gluten. Um, this isn't necessarily. Um, backed up, but pro gluten is the protein found in wheat products, especially in processed foods. So the thing with gluten is it causes GI discomfort with a lot of people. And so if they've cut that out, they've actually decreased the symptoms. So gluten intolerance symptoms mimic the GI distress th that we have in running. So it might make sense that gluten may also contribute. That that remains to be seen. I, don't, I didn't really find any studies that looked at that. Uh, but it's something that you might want to think about. And I've had a lot of success with athletes who have cut that out, the gluten out, and was able to actually reduce a lot of their symptoms as well. So that's just simply something to keep in mind. I just brought it up quickly because it's gluten, gluten intolerance and gluten-free are buzzwords of the, of the year, and seemingly, especially in the endurance community. So I wanted to touch upon that really quickly. Ultimately, what we talked about were things that can easily be adjusted, right? Uh, the fat, the fiber, the protein, things like that. Those are those are simple, simple solutions to the problem. What's a really what's a really big problem here, though, especially when you talk in terms of marathon running, endurance events, and uh, what's going to happen to the body as we get into the later stages of that competition. And our, big, our first big problem is exercise-induced dehydration, right? So long-duration, strenuous exercise that shunts blood away from the organs, and it tries to push that towards exercising muscles to help dissipate heat, provide oxygen, provide fuel, all that good stuff that we know. The problem with this is that if it's warm and humid, that problem is going to be exasperated. And what we know that what we know is that performance will really start to decrease once we lose three to four percent body loss in sweat so if you if you weigh 150 pounds once you lose you know four and a half to six pounds of body weight due to sweat which is not uncommon in one bit 
especially in a marathon distance uh, race or a long triathlon, whatever the case is, uh, you can lose those lose those really quick. So we need to make sure that we are stopping as much of that loss as we possibly can. And how that's going to happen is through drinking fluids. But um, as we've seen, people who drink some fluids gives them stomach distress. So how, how do we get around that? The second problem with that is the gastric emptying. So foods mentioned before, we will just sit in your stomach longer and cause bloating, sloshing around. We've, we've talked about that. The other thing is the higher the, the carbohydrate content, the slower the gastric emptying. We talked about a little bit of that about with um, the high fructose, but ultimately it could occur with any, wherever the carbohydrate is coming from. If, if we're drinking something with a high sugar content, high carbohydrate content, um, it's ultimately just gonna slow that gastric emptying. And in turn, it's gonna reduce the amount of fuel we can take after that because we're gonna feel full longer, we're gonna feel bloated. We're not going to feel like taking in fluids or taking in a gel or something like that. So we have to get whatever we're taking in we got to get it in and out as quickly as as quickly as we possibly can and the problem is if we're taking something high in carbohydrate and we're dehydrated that system's going to be really slowed down so we need to minimize dehydration and make sure the right mix of carbohydrate that we're taking in is something that can get in and out of the system so what's this whole process look like we just talked about in the last slide one the runner begins the exercise sweat rate increases blood begins to be shunted away from the muscles. So now we're, we're now have less blood to help digest food is being shifted towards exercising muscles because it wants to deliver the oxygen, the fuel to it. Second thing that happens is the runner begins to rehydrate with high osmolality sports drink or high, high percentage of, of uh, high fructose or a single transporter sugar essentially, but it doesn't, they don't take enough fluids to negate the dehydration. So essentially, they're taking in something, for the most part, they're taking in something that's going to already take longer to digest, and they're not taking in as much as they're, as they're losing via sweat. So that dehydration process has already started, and the, and the slowing down of digestion has already started. And that's going to that's gonna happen fairly quickly. So the third thing, the high-carbohydrate content drink sits in the stomach longer. This makes the runner feel full longer, so maybe they were taking planning on taking fluids every 20 minutes, but now they're feeling full, they're sloshy gut, and they're bloated. Now that it gets out to 45 minutes or every 50 minutes before they take their, their next amount of fuel in hydration. And so ultimately they're gonna get less and less and less in, and they're gonna run out of fuel a lot quicker than if they could have kept to that regimen of every 20 minutes or a shorter interval of time there. So that means the duration of fluid replacement increases, which we just talked about. Dehydration begins to creep into the danger zone. So we start losing that, getting to that two, three, four percent body weight loss because of, of dehydrate, dehydration and um, via sweating. So we decrease the gastric emptying even more, causes symptoms to worsen. Runner begins to bonk, so they because they so they force more carbohydrate drink down, but they're already so dehydrated and they've already got a backup of, of fuel in there that all this does is exasperate the problem. And so, um, you know, a lot of people just get so such bad cramps they just have to really slow down and then they can't take in enough fuel. So they basically can only run the pace that they're burning mostly fat at. And so they've just slowed way down and they've, they've really hurt their, their performance overall. So but that's, a, that's essentially what the process would be. And so if you're talking in terms of a marathon, you know, for most people, this is going to happen anywhere from, you know, 18 to 22 miles, which 
might not say, hey, I can get most of the way there. But anybody who's run a marathon and, and hit the wall knows that, yeah, you can get to essentially to break the marathon into two halves. And the first half is the first 20 miles. And the second half is the last six miles. And that last six miles, you can lose a lot of time and if, if you're in a bad place. So we want to avoid that by changing a little bit of our strategy. This sounds terrible, right? And believe me, it, it can be. I've, I've been the victim of this on my first, first uh, marathon. I made some major mistakes, um, all rookie mistakes and things we talked about in here. So I know the pain of, of hitting that wall early and not being able to run your potential because of poor nutrition. So um, luckily there are solutions and we talked a little bit about some of them, but mainly we're going to talk about using sources of multiple transporter carbs, which we'll talk, we'll go into more depth about, reduce the percentage of carbohydrate in the fluid, chase gels with water, and eat carbs in diet coinciding with the right day. And we'll talk about that, what an easy day is versus a long day. Multiple what? Transporters. We're talking about basically all you need to know is you have a few different transporters. And the main ones we're talking about or the main ones we're concerned about is the GLU-2-5 transporter in the SGLT1 transporter. And all that means is fructose is absorbed in the in the, the GLUT5, the GLUT5 transporter. And that can be absorbed at a rate of about one gram per minute. So for a long time, that's what we thought we could get uh, glyco or glucose replacement. We thought we could just get one gram a minute. And so basically 60 grams an hour we could replace. So that's what we tried to get people to take in. But we know that that's, so a lot of times that's less than what is needed especially if the person's out there four, five, six hours, they're going to need more than that because they're going to burn through what their stores are and they're going to have a ton of uh, distance to go with no fuel to back them up. And so we know that if we add glucose via the dextrose or maltodextrin, we can actually get that up to 1.75 grams. We can nearly double that because it uses a different transporter. So instead of backing things up behind that GLUT5 transporter, we can break them up and we can send the one gram per minute of we can send the one gram per minute of fructose over there and then we can get another smaller amount of um, dextrose or maltodextrin into the bloodstream just as quick by sending it to the different transporters so that's that's a really key and that's that's actually what that means is we can take the same amount of volume or even maybe a little bit of a less volume but utilize everything better there's no backups it's in and out of the system a lot faster. It's put to use in the exercising muscles a lot faster. The next thing we want to do, consider, and ultimately what I'm talking about too, is if you're, if you're a person who knows you have GI problems, uh, you know, some people can handle a six to 8% solution just fine. And that's, that's great. I mean, if you can more power to you because you're going to be in a lot, you're going to be able to a lot easier situation to get enough fueling in. Um, because you're going to be able to, you know, what we call an iron stomach, cast iron stomach, you're going to be able to absorb a lot and you're not going to be bothered by it. But, you know, but we saw the stats. A lot of people are getting the GI problems. So if you are, the next thing to do is reduce the percentage of carbohydrates per volume. So, you know, whether it's six to eight percent carbohydrate solution per eight ounces, maybe we get that down to three or four percent, that might be a little bit better for you. So um, we talked about really why that high percentage is a little bit tougher because of the, one of the transporters, especially if it's just fructose, it's going to be a lot, it, a lot of that's just going to sit around for a while, partly due to what the stomach needs. It goes back to that osmality feature. 
it needs if you have a lot of something that's real high in osmolality we need to get it down to what the uh, what the bloodstream is and so that it can be absorbed better and we know general sports drinks are in that six to eight percent range and I've seen even higher than that too so it's all very uh, edge of this end of the spectrum there next thing is reducing the amount of carbohydrate per volume so what do we what do we do with that it speeds the gastric emptying it reduces the full feeling and it does it provides enough sweetness to promote thirst so if you just drink water you don't really have anything to trigger to drink more but a little bit of carbohydrate will actually promote you a little bit of sweetness will promote you to drink more and more and more so you'll be able to have give yourself a fighting chance to replace what you're lo losing at a much better rate so if you're losing you know two pounds an hour and if, before you were getting in half a pound an hour now you're getting a pound and a half an hour you cut that down to you're only losing a half a pound of body weight per hour and that's going to be a lot more manageable and that's going to mean your performance is going to stay higher for a lot longer into the race third thing is taking gels with water this is this is key um, simply because you know we talked about just lowering the percentage of carbohydrate and if we do that yes we're going to be able to stay on regular intervals of, of drinking in fluids and getting our carbohydrate in but because it is less it might not be quite enough and so we need to supplement that with a gel possibly and there's a there's a lot of different ways to do it but um, gels are usually the easiest and the most popular the problem is it's a source of it it's a concentrated source of energy but it automatically means we're taking in a high percentage of carbohydrate per volume we're taking in a, a little packet that's 20 25 grams on on uh, on normal right into our stomach that's 25 that's 25 grams where you know a sports drink might be you know 15 12 to 15 uh, so it's automatically more volume and it's a more solid volume so if we just put that in our stomach then you know it's gonna it's gonna raise the potential for it to cause cause distress but if you take water with it instead of being a eight or nine percent uh, or seven seven or eight percent per um, volume we can get that down a little bit less we can we can get that down into the right appropriate range um, that's going to make it easier to digest so maybe taking it from an eight to like a five percent by taking in water um, with with the gel another strategy I've done is just kind of sip the gel a little bit you know take a little bit wait a few seconds take a little bit so it's not taking a giant amount in right at one time you kind of you're kind of nursing it along there so that has also helped help me big thing here too is and this is something that I've kind of just stumbled on too is chronic high carbohydrate intake what that what that means so like when you look at traditional endurance diets you're always told you know runners should be 60 70 percent of your diet should be carbohydrates and for some days that's true but for the most part you know I was looking at studies from the 60s where in the 70s where the where the marathoners in the United States were were really good they were really really good they were among the world's best and their average diet was actually about 55 percent of carbohydrate on, on average um, so you don't necessarily need that super high but it does need to be above you know probably 50 percent but it doesn't need necessarily need to be in that 60 to 70 percent so chronic high carbohydrate intake what that's basically going to teach your body to do is not be so good at burning fat because it's going to take what's readily available and if you're eating a lot of carbohydrate that's what's going to be readily available the flip side of that is a chronic low carbohydrate diet you're going to be a lot better at burning fat 
but you're not going to have as much ability to burn carbohydrate. And study after study after study after study says if you want to run fast, you need to be good at burning carbohydrate. That's, you know, that's a physiological fact. So the third option there is a periodized nutrition approach. And I've talked about this with my athletes a lot. Um, it increases fat oxidation. So you're going to be better at burning fat. You're going to be better at burning carbohydrates. And you're going to have an increased capital capacity to utilize that carbohydrate. So you're going to be able to burn a, a lot more at higher and higher intensities, which is going to allow you to run faster and faster and faster. So all that really means is like on your easy days, you eat less carbohydrates. Maybe we eat, you know, 50% of your diet is carbohydrate. On a long run, let's say you're doing a long run day, that's the day where you want to eat a lot of carbohydrates because you want to replace everything you've depleted from the run and the workout. So intensity and duration are the two biggest factors in depleting carbohydrate. So anything with a long duration, whether it's a long run, long tempo run, or just a really long speed workout, all those things can really deplete your carbohydrate intake. So those are the days you want to focus on getting a lot of carbohydrate in throughout the day and replenishing what you burn. And if you can do that, then you're going to be better. You're going to be just better at burning fat, better at burning carb, because you've kind of put your body through the entire situation. You've put them through the whole spectrum of, of, of things. And what I find is a lot of times people, especially, you know, uh, people trying to lose weight when they're running and things like that, they're going to naturally be on a chronically low carbohydrate. So they're good at burning fat, but then they, all, they run out of carbohydrate and their stomach's not used to taking in the carbohydrate. So they get tough, put in a tough situation where they're a little bit dehydrated. They're under a little bit of stress from the run and the race. And then they put this carbohydrate in there that their stomach's not used to and it just throws them into a tailspin. So that's another, another um, aspect to look at when you're thinking about the GI distress. Practical advice. What advice would I give as a coach? First one is practice, practice, practice taking in what you're going to supplement your, your hydration with and what you're going to take as a fuel as far as a gel or something like that. You have to practice that. That's the only way your stomach, your stomach can adapt very well, but you need to put it in that position to learn. It's just like training. It, you can't expect to run a six minute mile if you don't do any training at six minute mile pace, right? So you can't expect your stomach to handle taking in a gel at marathon pace if you've never taken a gel at marathon pace and the first time you do it is on, on your race. That's just, you can't, you can't expect that to work. Um, one study I looked at over 26 days, those who practice with a, a carbohydrate drink experienced a 50% improvement in absorption, which means they cut their absorption rate by 50%. That's amazing. So that what that means is if you have that less amount of volume in there, it's going to be less sloshy, less bloated. You're going to be able to get it in and out a lot quicker. Experience the less symptoms or the severity of their, of their symptoms were less during a hard effort. Practice at different pacing intervals, especially on race pace day. So, you know, like most gels will say, take every 45 minutes. Some people that's every 30 minutes, some people that's every hour. It depends on what you can handle. Practice those things during race pace day. So like with my, my athletes they do, who are doing a uh, marathon training, they do a run once a week where they're at marathon pace. Those are the perfect days to practice with it. You know, maybe I want to try every 30 minutes. If that's too much, maybe I'll send it out to 45 minutes. If that's too much, maybe we'll try it out every hour. Practice with what you know is going to work. 
Next thing is practice over long runs and race pace or faster workouts. And they don't necessarily have to be during the hard part of it. Like I know it'd be tough if you're working out by yourself on a track to take in fluids while you're running fast, right? So, but if you're under the duration or under the stress of a hard workout during your recovery jog or, or whatever, that's a perfect time to practice taking in fluids or something like that because your stomach's going to be under the most stress during the hardest part of the run. And so if you can practice being put in that position, it's like, like if you're practicing, if you're doing a workout at 10K pace and you're racing marathon pace, you know you can handle what you're tra taking in at 10K pace, you know you're going to be able to handle it at marathon pace. Low fiber, low fat in hours leading up to an important workout, um, which we call SOS days in, in our system. Um, two hours, two and a half hours is, is plenty of time, you know, so if you want to have um, something like that uh, as far as a, more than a snack but less than a meal, you can still do that, something with a little bit of fiber and a little bit of fat, two and a half hours. Once you're in that two, two and a half hour window, low fiber, low fat all the way through the workout. And stay hydrated throughout the day. If you're chronically dehydrated and you don't ever replace fully what you've been losing, during training, you're setting yourself up behind the eight ball already. Before you even get started, you're going to be put in a hole. So stay hydrated throughout the day. Drink to your sweat rate. Um, you know, time I'm making this, it's it's August. It's the hottest time of year for us. You know, weigh yourself before, weigh yourself after. What that difference is, drink that amount plus a little bit more, and make sure you're staying on that. Um, you want to make sure that you're getting the electrolytes, a little bit of carbohydrate. You want to be replacing what you're burning. All right, so let's look at one of our examples from earlier. So we'd say we, we talked about a 60-kilogram 60, 60 female, which is 132 pounds, can have 70 grams of liver glycogen, 300 grams of muscle glycogen. Average finish time in the U.S. for a woman is about four and a half hours, according to US, runningusa.org. General rules of thumb are up to 60 grams per hour of, of carbohydrate for events that are up to three hours, and up to 90 grams per hour for beyond that. So essentially we're trying to get the difference between what she has stored and what she needs to get in is going to be about 270 grams. That's kind of our minimum goal that we want to do. So how do we get that? 10 to 15 minutes before the start of the race, take a take a gel, a fuel with eight ounces of water. That's going to give us 22 grams. 15 minutes into the race, so that's about a half hour after they've taken the gel, eight ounces of fluid. 30 minutes in, eight ounces of fluid, 45 minutes in, take another gel, and then 60 minutes in, uh, eight ounces of fluid. So that first hour total has given us roughly 71 grams. If we can come close to that for the next four and a half hours, that is 319 grams, which gives us about 62 grams, right? 50 grams, about 50 grams leeway uh, throughout the rest of the of the uh, race and so what I always tell people is you want to get it in early and often as you possibly can so if we can get this stuff in get it digested uh, the urge to do these things later on once once say this person is getting to that three three and a half hour mark they're gonna start getting tired regardless of the fueling right it's just the it's just the fact that they're running 26 miles it takes a, it takes its toll on us. It takes its toll on us mentally and physically, uh, and they're going to get tired, right? So the urge to stay on the schedule is going to be less and less and less. And it's just like a car. 
Getting from full tank to a half a tank can seemingly take forever, right? But when we get to a half tank to below, it goes quick, right? So once we get below that half tank, it goes really quick. So what I'm basically saying is if we can take this person and they can take, say they don't follow the schedule and they're very sporadic on their, their fueling, they might get into that half tank level at 16 miles, which means they're probably going to be down to an eighth of a tank by the time they get to 20 miles. They're going to bonk. They're going to, they're going to, they're just to go from half to quarter tank or eighth of a tank is not going to take very long. Whereas it might take over half the race uh, to go from full tank to half tank. Now, if we can stay on the schedule and we can stay as close to that full tank as possible and decrease the rate of the loss, and we might not get to half tank until 20, 22 miles, that's going to set us up where we, we can have enough fuel in reserve to get us through the finish line. So you're going to feel a lot more, you're going to feel a lot more capable of doing a schedule like this for the first half of your race. And then if you can get that in early, if you miss some things later on in the race, it's not going to hurt you as bad. So early and often on these things, and then, it, and then you'll, you'll set yourself up much better um, later, later on in the race. So, but that's essentially how we can do it. And that means even on that, that gives us a little leeway on what we can do. All right. So, uh, why I chose isogenics and I will show you why I'll see if I can get my little pen here. Uh, let's see, uh, what are my simple ingredients? So this is amped fuel. So this is their version of a gel. And so you see the first ingredient is apple puree, right? So simple ingredients. And fructose via the evaporated cane juice and the apple puree. What is what is fructose? It's fruit sugar, right? Maltodextrin, tapioca maltodextrin. That's pretty pronounceable, right? Tapioca. I love tapioca pudding. Um, and then a few less overall grams. So like I said before, uh, most gels are in that 25 gram range. And this is in the 22 grams. So I give a little bit less, which is makes it 90 calories. Most gels are about 100 calories. So a little bit easier. It makes it a 7% a seven solution, whereas uh, a 25 gram would put that 8 and above, depending on the size of it. So, and then we're getting a little bit of vitamin C. The, BC, the BCAs, uh, I'm not too worried about that as far as fueling. It's not going to help us at all um, during the race, but what it's going to help is immediately after the race, it's already going to have those building blocks in place. So we're actually going to be able to start repairing muscle a lot quicker. Uh, no soy, which nobody should be taking soy in. No gluten, which I'm personally indifferent to, but I know a lot of people will help. And then the dairy-free, again, I'm indifferent to it, but if you are a dairy-free person, this is safe for you. So this is the Amped Fuel Apple, which is the only flavor that they have. But And, and honestly, you guys, I, I thought I would try it and it would be sticky, um, but it's really, it's really not too bad. I, and I'm a big texture guy and I thought I would not really like the uh, um, puree, but it actually is just fine. Uh, but it goes back to that practice, practice, practice. You get used to things as well. 
All right, so then you're looking at the uh, hydration, which I use for my personal, this is what I use in my fluid. So this is their version of a sports drink, right? So why I like it, again, simple ingredients, uh, glycogen complex, which contains fructose, honey powder, dextrose, cane sugar, electrolyte complex, sodium chloride, potassium chloride, ionic alfalfa, leaf extract, citric acid. So it's got everything that I want um, as far as carbohydrates and electrolytes. And I'm also getting the fructose, the dextrose. I have a low percent carbohydrate per volume, 3% per, um, per volume, which is a lot easier on my stomach. And again, gluten-free, all the same thing, and it's even okay for you vegetarians out there. So um, also here you'll notice it has some B-complex folic acid, vitamin B12, riboflavin. Those are all B vitamins, B6, all of those things in there, which actually helps you absorb carbohydrate and utilize carbohydrate. So you're taking that along with the carbohydrate, and it's just going to be absorbed that much faster. So um, to me, I mean, I know there's a lot of products out there. So I guess my point with this is don't be feel like you need to be stuck with a commercial, um, you know, quote unquote, mainstream sports drinks. Um, there's a lot more products out there now. Uh, if you do a little bit of research, you can find them. So you have, if you have GI issues and you're wondering how you're going to be able to fuel and everything you've tried is is been hurting you and may, not helping you with the symptoms, consider something like Isogenics, Amped Hydrate, Amp Fuel. I know there's others out there, but I don't know their product specifically. Um, just do a little bit of research, and I'm sure you can find something that works for you. Get this out of here. All right. And then just to recap, hydration is key into allowing what is taken in to be digested. So you have to be hydrated to help the digestion. The right sources of carbs are key. They allow the stomach to uh, digest faster. Multi-transport is a must. Just don't look for something that's just fructose. Look for something that's fructose in maltodextrin or fructose sucrose or fructose dextrose and those types of ratios. Um, it has to be those those things or else otherwise it's just one form and it's going to get backed up in your stomach practice and experiment practice at pace um, if you're running a marathon try what you're going to use at race pace you that's i trust me i've taken stuff on easy days and then i've taken it on race day on race pace days and it's two it's like taking two different products you know so make sure it works for you at race pace experiment with timing of ingestion so if the package has 45 minutes, you know, maybe try to sneak that down a little bit more if you know getting calories is going to be a problem. Otherwise, a lot of times the 45 minutes is okay. But work, find out what works for you. What can your stomach tolerate? And remember, too, that the stomach is highly adaptable. So if you try this one time and it doesn't work, try something else. You know, but keep after it. Keep trying. Keep doing it. After a month, you're going you're gonna to see results. You're going to be able to digest more, you're going to be feeling better, you're going to know what symptoms you can handle and what symptoms you can't. So just keep practicing with it. And so with the right tweaks, properly fuel, fight GI distress, maximize performance. So uh, most of you, you're doing the training, like the training isn't what's going to hold you back. It's going to be how well you can execute your nutrition plan and how well your stomach can hold up. So with that, hope this helps you all out and I'll talk to you later. Have a good day.